the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. Brett Favre claims not to know what a podcast is. You know, I have a podcast, Brett. Did you know that? Um, no, you don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> Reggie Wayne, Brett Edward. I had a, a, a pet snake mm-hmm. by the name of Law. I'm not a snake fan. I don't like snakes. Buy the snake in the house. I get a, a, a text on my two-way. Law dead. <laughs> Chris Cooley threatened to prank call me. Steven, how are you? This is David Dunn. Did I see No, you didn't because I'm recording this thing right oh, now, no, dude. No, no. This You're is the, the podcast. Uh, you the Andy best. Reed did not call Tim Tebow last night. <laughs> too much. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Hey, everybody, it's the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, the last one of the month of June, and the calendar is going to turn to July, and that is when training camp hits, that is when we get ready for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, that is when uh, what we call the non-playing season officially ends, and we've got a playing season. Um, good to see you, Chris Brockman. Good Rich, to see how you are back you? In the Happy mix. birthday, Thank you by the much. way, my friend. I turned uh, the, uh, the Reggie Jackson. The 44, or the two-thirds of the Moses Malone, the fo-fo. Excellent. I am officially middle-aged. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I'm fine with it. Went to Benihana with the kids. That's good. Uh, and that noise that you hear in the background. I know that is, noise. You know what? That, that, that wasn't the Jetsons doorbell right there. What not. that was had to have been a Microsoft Outlook reminder. That you, Chris Law. Of the return of the late tech salesman, I could not imagine a better noise cue. <laughs> you guys heard that? You for guys, me to turn to you, sir, you and say that? welcome back from your two-week-long boondoggle, <laughs> your your uh, your tour of the uh, wedding circuit within yes. your within your your fan base within your, your fan base your uh, your. Your friends, your group of friends. Yeah, congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Cesarano and Mr. and Mrs. Cherrier. Mrs. who? uh, Mr. and Mrs. Cesarano, Michael Cesarano. I've known him since kindergarten. Okay, and And, who uh, else? Adam Cherrier and his uh, lovely bride, Mary Jane Rogers. So your friends are getting married in alphabetical order? Something like that. Is that what it is? That sounds sounds like a national spelling bee word, Rich. That is. Is that that an S-Z? Is that like a Zerbiac situation? C-E-S, Italian, yeah. Cesarano. Oh, Cesarano. Yeah, and then uh, He has the discs, by the way. He has the discs in Midnight Run. (laughs) You guys have seen Midnight Run, Oh, yeah. I saw Midnight Run. Cesarano has the discs. Okay, very good. Well, welcome back, Chris Law. Thank you, thank you. Would you you like to share which meeting that just just dinged? (laughs) This was actually to uh, call to... It was just a reminder Yes. To confirm the hotel for San Diego because we're going down ah, this weekend. Yes, so. we are. It's the uh, the annual uh, NFL EA Madden event that is taped right around now and then shown right around the kickoff of the season. Right to hail the um, the uh, uh, release of yet another iteration of the EA Sports Madden. And didn't we say game. the great Barry Sanders will be on the cover? Yes, this year. he will be on the cover this year. So there's no jinxing him. No. I think that's what they're basically going to do is just go with these guys who, who are on the jinx, the Teflon jingle front, uh, jinx front. Unjinx. But that's back-to-back Lions now, right? Because wasn't Calvin Johnson, Calvin Johnson was, last, was season. last season. And um, so basically what they do every year, the, fo- the good folks of, of the NFL and EA Sports starting about five years ago, 
was get a ridiculous setting and a ridiculous number of Hall of Fame athletes from the from the Pro Football Hall of Fame pair them up with celebrities and have a flag football game in this uh, sick, ridiculous setting. The Are first you- two years were was it in Malibu, so in the state park in Malibu. That must have been a rough one to commit for, right? Well, you know, the answer was yes. Yeah, and then. They decided after two years in Malibu, they wanted to do it in New York City. They held it in Bryant Park, which is the park behind the New York Public Library. HBO building, Avenue of the Stars there. Correct. Right? Yeah. Well, that's, on the, that's, on, that's north of the park. That's on the other side of 42nd Street Got it. and 6th Avenue. Okay. And the New York Public Library um, was, uh, I'll tell this story. I'll tell this story. When, you know, you're at ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports up there in central Connecticut, in need of a social outlet. <laughs> One, Are you trying to say that Bristol isn't the hub of entertainment in the Northeast? That is what I'm okay. saying. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. Just clarifying. Once again, Chris Brockman taking the mallet like it's in the uh, carnival and pounding on the uh, metal and it hits the bell. I'm from the Northeast, Rich, so I know you talk that about there's the a very in the lack room. of entertainment. Nobody okay? talks about more room elephants than Chris Brockman. Oh, no, they don't, as I heard on the podcast with Joe Manganiello. Look, I ask the questions <laughs> that people want to know. <laughs> okay. I ask uh, the questions. Hold your powder, Chris Law. We're going to get to that later. We'll get to it. we got a whole show to get to here uh, on this podcast last of June. But I'll tell this story real quick because we have our guest Brian Banks in studio. Excellent. Yes. So um, you either go east to Boston or you go southwest to New York City to get your your fix. To touch up with society. Certainly if you are like I was in your late 20s, mid to late 20s and single like I was back in the day. So I've got my friends in New York City, and I'm a New York City native. I would always go to New York City. How far was that? That's a two-hour drive with a lead foot and no traffic. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Bristol is perfectly equidistant. Now, there's Hartford. There's Hartford. You don't want to go to Hartford. Okay. And this is from a New Englander. I don't want any grief (laughs) for for, for tacitly agreeing. (laughs) All right. Long story short, I'm in New York City. One night, I find myself in Bryant Park at this bar slash restaurant behind the New York City Public public Library. So a bar, because typically... Happy hour. Going down. I am there with my buddies. And I am uh, somewhat lubricated and come up with the idea, a dare, a dare. That I will go up to 10 women <laughs> and use the same pickup line. <laughs> and and how many how many laughs will I get? Not like laughs like, boy, you're a fool. Make them laugh with this pickup line. Right. The Wh- pickup line was this. Can't wait. Point to the New York City Public Library and say, how about you and I go upstairs and check out some microfiche? <laughs> <laughs> And this was back when microfiche was... Hey, this is way before. At the height. This is late 90s. Right. This is late 90s. I, I would have to say this. Microfiche was probably on its way out. I mean, but it had a great run. It had a great run. Microfiche had a great run. A great run. Okay. Should when, we, should we do you remember those old here? film machines? You know, you had oh, to, you it was know, great. Come on. How, how cumbersome can, can you was use, that? Can you use a, microphone, a microfilm machine law? No. No. Okay. Microfilm was just, it was unwieldy. You had to, you had to uh, put one it, thread it, this, thread that. No. Uh, was, microfiche was a thin layer of, was it latex? 
plastic, you jam it in there, and you can put all sorts of information on this little great. piece of plastic. So I dropped that line on ten ladies. I got laughs out of two of them. Ah, Mendoza. In Mendoza. <laughs> Three for ten would have been great. Four for ten, that puts you in the Hall of Hall Fame. Hall of Fame, you're the greatest player ever. <laughs> so did that was Bryant did Park. It, did any of them say yes, and then you guys left? No, to go? Oh, none okay. of them said yes. No, oh, damn. I don't have, see, I don't have that in me. <laughs> did you use that line? But eight of them were like stone-faced. I'm like, come on. And that's funny. That's trying. Right, that's funny. I thought it was next level. Clearly, the the Forty Second Street clientele wasn't ready for well, it. Well, different. Well, if, <laughs> certainly, if I was one avenue to the west, then the Forty Second Street clientele would be a little different. Yeah. But at any rate, long story short, that was where the EA Sports was last year. It was in uh, Grant Park in Chicago. I couldn't do it because I was too busy gallivanting in my one and done tenure as a uh, uh. reality show host. Which premiered for the Great Escape yesterday? Which premiered one year one ago, year ago yesterday on my birthday. It's correct. Yes, and then uh, ten weeks later, not so much. A fellow <laughs> NFL Network employee sent me this email yesterday. Yes, uh, about Eisen's birthday, and it says Uh-oh. he's he's number one hundred nine on IMDb's list of stars born on six twenty four. No, there's one hundred and eight above me. One hundred eight wow. above. Do you wow. have a list? Do you, want, do you just want to go one hundred eight through one hundred one? Because I've heard of not many of them. It's, if all, only if Damashek, Mike Silver, and, and Warren Sapp have a post show talking about whether <laughs> this is the proper ordering of the list. Um, right, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, let me... Uh, First of all, give me number one, so just make me feel better. Well, number one? Min- Mindy okay. Kaling was yesterday, right? Uh, she can't be number one. Oh, wow. No, but she... Her I'll just say this. Yes. Friday Night Lights. Oh, wow. Oh, make it Kelly. Yeah, yeah, I know that already. Yeah. She's number one? She's number one. Yeah, she is. That's uh, Mindy Kaling is number three, okay. actually. Ian Glenn um, from Tomb Raider um, was on it. Dude, I'm 109? And wow. Peter Weller, RoboCop. Born RoboCop, same day as RoboCop, also in Star Trek, the recent Star Trek. 109, you're, you're undervalued. Dude. Undervalued. I am. I, yeah, you're definitely undervalued. I, I mean, we're going to get Mayock on I this. Mean, seriously. Robert Downey Sr. <laughs> <laughs> what number is that? 16. Oh, my 16? Lord. This list is insane. They Who don't puts even, up this list? This is on IMDb. So All right, so give me what Pe- Petra Nemkova at twenty six. Petra Nemkova and I share a birthday. Hey now, okay. Uh, I'm trying to look for a name that I recognize. Oh no! Wow. Oh wow! Is, you, uh, you lost to a guy named Coy Stewart, <laughs> and he's the actor from it, the hyphenated name episode. And that's no, his only. We're credit. not. <laughs> we're, we're not the the hybrid uh, child between Coy Detmer and Coy. The good Stewart. thing is your credit on here though. Is uh, your mic like it says Mike uh, like Mike like Mike mm. on it? It's because this is movies. All right, based. give me one. For, no CSI Miami. I'm 109. That's so 109, rich. Yeah. Come on, not um, good. You got me, 101 to 108. Yeah, yeah, I got 101 to 108. If you want that, let me. I do. Scroll down here. Scroll down. This is just Don a, Sparks coming in at 100. Who? Don Sparks. Everybody, no idea. Was he a manager? Yeah. <laughs> at 100. At 100, Don Sparks. Okay. Uh, actor. P.S. I love you. Don't these people know I was in two episodes of Go On two, just this past year? Two full episodes. <laughs> two episodes of CSI Miami. I get 17-cent checks once every three months because of that. The, the episode was caged. caged. CSI Miami colon caged. Come on. Yeah, you interviewed like the boxer, the MMA guy or something, Damn straight right? I did. Yeah. I, I channeled my inner self. Oh, oh, I know. Keep going. Okay, 101, Billy Rosenberg. 
actor from Three Things I've Never Fellow Heard Member of. Fellow member of the tribe, Rich. Actor from Three... Th- is that the name uh, of a show? Three Things no. I've Never Heard Of? Or it's actually three things you've never heard of? Ruby's Easter Bonnet. Max's Easter Parade. Max and the Easter Bunny. And you're saying member of the tribe, and this <laughs> guy's celebrating Easter. This, Come on. Uh, so I have lost, show Easter, I have lost to a fellow Jew right. whose three credits are about Easter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not good. Glenn Medeiros uh, from the music department. Uh, that's, what music wait, department? Wait, 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 the actual like, music department. Of, <laughs> it, of what? Of what? Um, that credit is The Stalker. Which uh, is a Baywatch episode, season 11, episode 13. When this whole thing that you brought out started, I thought it was funny. Now I'm pissed. <laughs> Who can we call now IMDb? I am, no, I am genuinely disturbed. I will, I will walk through an airport with Billy Rosenberg. I wouldn't be able to get from gate 27 to gate 21. By the, by the way, he everybody. He wouldn't even get past a Cinnabon. By the way, everybody, Rich is standing and pointing and yelling at and nobody. Yelling. And I a am. different hue of red right now. <laughs> uh, it just gets worse. I'm, I just think we should stop. <laughs> just stop. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Yeah, Rich, I put you in the total access open yesterday. Thank you very much I for that. I knew that you were on the show when I saw that, <laughs> when I saw the game show at the end. Thank you very much for that. Just as a little shout Just out. a birthday homage. <sighs> I liked it. Lord. Where were we? Thank you, Chris Law. Oh, no problem. But we were talking about uh, the EA Sports thing. Grant Park oh, was right. last year. I couldn't go because, you know, right. I was gallivanting in my, my suede jackets trying to look imposing. Your bomber jackets. My bomber jackets, yes. Yes. Do you by still way, have that? I, by the way, I believe TNT put me up for a uh, reality show host for an actual real television Emmy. That's amazing. Well, I don't know. How, how in the world? No, I, yeah, well. They just put me up for it. I mean, I, I don't know how, how it's going to work out, but oh. well, all those Academy Arts and Sciences people out there, please do vote for me. And then, um, so anyway, it's in San Diego this year. Got it. And you guys are going down. Yes, we are. And law, we've got a setup down there. We we do not have a setup down there for we podcast. Are, we're efforting. We are set, efforting. Set up. We might be on the ship. It's on the USS Midway, yeah. which I was correct about. Last in, week. Again, it's, wow. uh, uh, they're they're having the skills competition on Wednesday and then on Thursday on of this the week, aircraft carrier. on the deck of the aircraft carrier. An actual flag football game on the USS Midway. Is that the same one where yes. they've been playing the college basketball games yeah, on and everything? State, UNC and then last year, Syracuse played. It's going to be awesome. Wow, it's going to be awesome. Have fun, boys. And, it's my uh, old stomping grounds. Five years down there. Yeah, to the point where you didn't remember the name of the ship <laughs> last time. Rich, I'm coming off of two weddings. Come on, <laughs> give a guy a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try and get some of the uh, folks who are down there interviewed for the, for the show. But um, this one is uh, we got set up here uh, is quite a doozy. The story of Brian Banks. Um, if you don't already know it, we're going to we're going to run through it to the best of our ability with the man himself. But the general thumbnail of this is uh, top prospect linebacker at uh, Long Beach Poly, one of the more famous high school football programs in all of the United States. Yep. And um, he is, uh, I think, 16 years old, actually. And he is accused of raping a 15-year-old fellow student and goes to jail, serves five years, four years on parole, was innocent the entire time. Falsely accused by this 15-year-old girl 
who, as you will hear in the story, reappears nine years later in part of the exoneration. And how he gets exonerated is mind-blowing. And now he is on the roster of the Atlanta Falcons as a 27-year-old man, 10 years after his dream gets exploded, again, in a flurry of false accusations. And from what I could hear and read and what I have been told prior to this is that he he is essentially um, dealing with a, a, a comedy of errors, for the lack of a better phrase, in the process. And, and the entire 10 years should never have happened. And he now gets a chance to go for the Atlanta Falcons. It's it's truly incredible. The NFC South champion Falcons. Yeah, it's... have him on the roster here. It's an incredible story, and you've been talking to me about it for weeks, months. Yeah, we we tried to get him on last year, but um, he we... did this sixty minutes interview, and they they signed a exclusivity deal, so he couldn't do any television. Yeah, this was stuff. back. He was exonerated right. last May. Yeah, it was ten years ago. The incident took place on the campus, I guess, of Long Beach Poly. And it really is an incredible story, and he's going to be here in studio. Yeah. And I have to just you know give a heads up here. Um, mature audiences only. It's heavy. Because, again, it, it involves sexual assault, and I know that there are a lot of folks maybe who listen to this podcast with their kids in the car, or which is why I always give you the time code to bleep stuff out. Yes. It's a family program. But um, one gets by the goal every now and again. We can't have that. No, not not this time. And um, so this is uh, something that it's for for adults. It's an adult conversation because again, what happened to him in the story about going from a dream of going to a big college institution to play football to get to the NFL, that dream was in pieces. In just a matter of hours, as yeah. you'll soon hear. It really makes you angry, too, actually, when you think about this and the justice system well, and how it all works. And the other thing with this format, which we've been, you know, we talked about the other week is the, the interview on 60 Minutes was phenomenal, but it's 10 minutes. And on Jay Leno, it's five. And, I mean, we might have a half hour or an hour with him, and that doesn't even tip the iceberg. But at least, you know, you'll get to hear more probably than people have ever really heard before about the yep. story, yep. which is what's great about you know the podcast format we have here. No doubt. And uh, just before we do get to it, um, just to point out that um, icebergs have tips. They aren't tipped. Did right? I say that? No, but you, you said, you know. I did say that. Yeah. I'll have to rewind that. Maybe. It's not the tip of the iceberg. It's like the iceberg gets tipped. I appreciate the fourth grade grammar lesson that was, right? Was that a fourth grade? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to hold in your laughter, <laughs> Chris. I mean, we we are going to get to a serious subject in a minute, but I can't go there without going you know, where I just look, went. I, 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 take, I, 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 thought, I thought we were only supposed to make fun of Law when he's not here. No, the latex salesman. Oh, boy. And Fuego. All right, so um, is he on his way here? Yes, sir. He actually just walked in. Ah, excellent. This is, um, again, a, a conversation uh, that I've been eager to have for quite some time with a guy who we uh, we hope, uh, if you don't know his story, it is going to inspire you. And if you do, you'll learn something about this guy. We have Long Beach Polly in the house. 
Yeah, that is the uh, the laughter of the man who is uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. And um, talk about a journey made so far. Uh, and we can only hope, uh, as everybody who hears the story of this man, that uh, it is just the beginning of a National Football League journey. Brian Banks, good to see you. Thank you, brother. Likewise. You bet. You bet. Pleasure to meet you. I've heard so much about you. I've read so much about you. I've seen so much about you. Tell me how you are right now, as you and I are sitting right here, in the Culver City studios of NFL Network, you being part of an NFL franchise, just bring me up to speed right now. Yeah, um, I'm just in a really good place in my life right now uh, compared to where I was um, a, a, a year ago. Um, you know, being on parole for uh, a sex offense that I didn't commit, um, serving five years in prison, um, and another five years on parole. Um, and fast forward a year later, here I am a free man, uh, my record clear, my family in good spiritual and, and physical health, and, and here I am playing football uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, trying to make a 53-man roster. Um, it's been it's been really fast-paced, but it's been just a dream come true and beyond. Fast-paced town. Um, just what I've been successful at accomplishing and uh, doing uh, in a year. I feel like. Um, from the UFL to the NFL to clearing my name to being able to travel and the interviews and the press and um, having a uh, a feature film deal in the works right now and a documentary in the works right now and um, speaking at different places and, and you know, going from a, a nobody to somebody. It's just been so much that has been uh, that has been taking place in, in, in a year. Um, so it's. It's been busy, but it's been good. How are you prioritizing? Can you can you put it in order for me? How have you been able to compartmentalize, yeah. assimilate, and then actually execute yeah. in a way with all of this stuff around you right now? Football is number one, um, and I chose for it to be number one. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me, why am I not angry? Why am I not disappointed? Why don't I want revenge? Um, I, I feel like... You can be angry, um, but how you channel that energy and what you direct it towards is up to you. And instead of me sitting on my on my back with my hands out asking for somebody to pay for what's happened to me, I feel like the best revenge is success. And so I chose to put on a hard hat and go to work rather than put on a sad face and complain. So it's it's been one of those situations where I said football would be something that I will um, put my all into. I will make a 53-man roster, and so that's been number one in priority. Let me get into your story here. Uh, we have a lot of international listeners for whom this is going to be fresh, and even for a lot of the listeners of this show who are up to speed in the NFL, I'd like to recount some of this stuff so we can uh, use that as a basis to move forward with for what's sure. going on. So. We, we we hit the way back machine to 2002. Is that Ju- where we yeah, hit the... Okay. Ju- July 8th, 2002. So it's almost the 11-year anniversary yeah. of this thing coming up. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if anniversary is really the word to be used. but <laughs> So it would be 11 years to the day coming up next in a couple of weeks. Right. And this is the day that, that you um, met Juanetta Gibson or you'd already known her? I mean, how, yeah. how, where... No, I've actually known her. Um, we go back as as schoolmates for a few years we went to middle school together Mm -hmm. um, and then ended up going to high school together Uh, my younger brother and 
her older sister. We all knew each other just as schoolmates. Um, and so July 8th was a day that uh, she and I uh, randomly ran into, you know, bumped into each other on, on our high school campus. At Long um, Beach Poly. Long Beach Poly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was uh, summer school going into my senior year. And at that time, I was ranked 11th in the nation as a middle linebacker. I was being recruited by pretty much every Division One university all the way down to D2 and D3. You have letters coming to your house? To Coaches house, coming to your house? To the school. Uh, you're I, had being, my, I, had a, I had a mailbox at school. Of just letters that were coming in from different universities. SEC, Big Ten, everybody, right? Everybody, yeah. And um, so I was in summer school leading into my senior year, the biggest year for me, and I had already verbally committed to USC. Um, Who was the coach there? Was Pete it, Carroll. Was it was Pete Carroll? Yeah, Pete okay. Carroll. And this is, this is when they're winning national championships. This, was, this yeah, is USC. This was big. Sure. This would have been, I would have been there my first year, would have been the same time that Lindell White and Reggie Bush went. So it would have been a huge, that, a huge time. Yeah, Vince Young, that that game. Big game. Huge. Big like game. one of the best national championship games. I watched that game. Ever. In a cell on TV. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's yeah. let's now, so that it, this is, you're going into your big My, senior yeah, year. senior year. Um, I was returning from um, turning papers to the office for my teacher and bumped into uh, Juanetta um, on my way back to class. Uh, she and I um, exchanging hugs, small talk, and that small talk uh, led to us agreeing to go to an area on campus that was known as a makeout spot. Um, everybody on campus knew that this was the makeout spot. Um, so she and I made our way there, and once we got there, we made out, um, but we never had sex. Mm-hmm. Um, after making out, I went back to class. She went back to class. Um, school ended. And I stayed on campus to wait for uh, football practice. Um, while I waited there with teammates, we started to notice an overwhelming presence of officers on campus. And we, you know, no one knew what was going on. I remember even getting up and going to one of the officers and asking him, you know, what, what happened, what's going on. And um, he made some small joke and kept on walking. And obviously he didn't know that they were looking for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know either. Um, uh, a teammate of mine, his dad on campus, walked up and said to me that he overheard some officers say that they were looking for a kid by the last name of Banks and asked me, had I gotten into any trouble today? And I said, no. So he asked me to go check with my younger brother. I went and checked with him. He was in basketball practice. And he said he hadn't gotten into any trouble. And so I dismissed the whole thing as him hearing the wrong name. Hearing the wrong name. Yeah. No kidding. Chris, it sounds like something's connected, like a like a phone line. Okay, so you're in the so at this point you have no idea that these cops are on campus yeah, for you. Yeah, no idea. Yeah. So um I remember dismissing the whole thing and actually going back and sitting down and as I was sitting down um I saw Juanetta leaving campus with her mother, her older sister and a few police officers. And at that moment, um I mean, I just kind of went into a uh, like somewhat of a panic, not really knowing what was going on, but knowing that I was with her today, um, was wondering if she had done something on campus that she wasn't supposed to do, and somebody saw the two of us together. Um, you know, all different types of things began to race my mind, but rape was not something that came to mind. You know, I, I mean, at the age of 16, I knew what rape was, but... Um, so you're 16, she's 15, right? right? Yeah. And... So subsequently, you found out she she 
just within hours after you were at this yeah. spot? Within hours she after. picked up the phone. Who'd she call? Do you know who um, she called? From the reports, it says that she um, told her sister, um, I believe, told her sister, and her sister made her report it to the school, but then there's there's so many different stories, and that's the, that's the crazy thing about the case. A lot of people don't know is she gave so many different stories as to how things played out mm-hmm. that it's really hard to, to understand what really happened on her account. Um but needless to say, the same day that she and I hooked up on campus and made out um, was the same day that I was arrested. I remember going home, going to sleep, and being awakened by um, officers in my room with their guns drawn. And um, one of the officers had his knee pressed into my back, so I couldn't get up off the bed. And they handcuffed me and got me off the bed and, you know, began barking out orders, telling me to put on different clothes and pick things to wear. And it was just all a blur. Um, so you were awakened and arrested in the bed of your home mm-hmm. and then taken out and taken in, and processed. Yeah, I was uh, put into a police car, um, taken immediately to um, a local hospital where they performed DNA testing on me. Right. Um, I was interviewed by a detective that same moment. And everyone that I kept coming in, in contact with kept saying, it's probably, it's probably a big mistake. Once you explain what happened, you should be okay. The more I heard that, the more things begin to prolong and get worse. I went from being in a holding cell at a jail facility to being placed into a juvenile hall. Um, From being placed into a juvenile hall and told that I just needed to see a judge in three days, that got postponed for a month and then another month. And then my bail was set at $1.15 million, and it was too much for us to Who was representing you at the time? Uh, I had an attorney um, that my mother sold her house and sold her car to obtain um uh, it was a paid attorney is this elizabeth harris is her name okay yeah elizabeth harris and um i went from being in juvenile court facing camp time and juvenile hall time to being charged as an adult and facing 41 years to life two counts of forcible rape and the kidnapping Mm -hmm. of one at a gibson yes sir so you're sitting in a cell and all this stuff's beginning to spin out of control Mm -hmm. and spiral to the worst possible scenario. Right. What were you? What, what were you doing? I mean, were you? Were you? Yeah. First two weeks, uh, I didn't. I wasn't interacting with anybody. I wasn't eating. I lost fourteen pounds in two weeks. I was sick, and um, no one knew what to do with me. I wasn't coming out of my cell. I'd, um, I was just. I, I didn't know what was going on. You know, I was. I continued to remain hopeful that. One day, my my cell door would just open out, up, open up, and they said, "All right, we figured it out. Go ahead and get out of here." But that just didn't happen. Where was your coach? I got one letter from my coach, um, and and that was it. I mean, pretty much the the school and and the the team, I guess, felt it was best to not have anything to do with me during that time. So everybody believed her. Is that basically what happened? I don't know if everybody believed her, but I guess that they felt that it would be best not to interact with me. So it's kind of hard to say what people believe and didn't believe. I I was never told either way. Okay. So now how long were you in, in this holding cell? How long were you there? So I was in juvenile hall for a year as I fought this case. A year? Mm-hmm. I had, uh, Just on. being charged? Yeah, just being charged, and it wasn't really fighting the case. It was more of it was more of postponed court dates and continuances 
I would come to court and they would postpone it for a month and a half. Who would? The prosecution? Both sides. My attorney and the prosecution. What was the your reason for uh, postponing? My lawyer was mainly busy with other cases. Couldn't appear. And you were in because the bail was so high? That's why you Yeah, you couldn't, couldn't bail. Bail was, I believe, $1.15 million. In your, in, your, in your, I guess, studies of, of what happened to you, I imagine you've gone over this with a, a fine-tooth comb in a way, mentally. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, as we'll find out, the California Innocence Project began to be get in, involved with you. They must have picked through this with yeah, a fine-tooth comb as well. For sure. I mean, were you, were you sitting there wondering why... Nobody was coming to your help, including the person who has been. Yeah, every every moment while I was behind bars, um, I constantly wondered why this was happening. Why someone, uh, some type of a smart, someone with some sort of education who can look past the lies of a fifteen-year-old girl could see that something wasn't right. Um, you know, within within the the, the first day of her accusing me she had three different stories um, one that she gave the school one that she gave the police department and one that she gave the detective they were all different stories but they continuously pushed this thing on and on and on and the uh in looking over this as well also is the 1.15 million dollar bond was that normal I the bond I, being set for for a 16 year old kid yeah. I think it was more of them not setting bail for a 16-year-old kid, but basing the bail off the charges. Got it. Mm. So when when the trial finally hit? And that's the thing. I didn't even go to trial. Um, the day that I was supposed to select jury, um, I appeared in court. I was in a holding facility uh, next door to the courtroom waiting to go into court. And my lawyer came into that holding facility and sat down and said that she just came up with this amazing deal with the district attorney. Um, and that deal was that I pled to one count of rape, pled no contest to one count of rape. And I would go to Chino State Prison where I'd undergo a 90-day observation. Basically what that means is they will put me in general population for 90 days at Chino State Prison. And during that 90-day period, I'd be interviewed by a psychologist and a counselor who determined... Um, based on their interview, whether I would receive three years, six years, or a probation. She looked at me in my eyes and said, Brian, I promise you, I guarantee you that you will get probation. And at the most, you receive three-year sentence. You already have a year time served, which means you only serve about 18 more months. You'll still be young. You can come home and play football, and life will go on. I promise you, you won't get that six-year sentence. And then she followed up with that by saying, well, Brian, I also want to tell you this. If you don't take this deal, we're going to go in there right now. We're going to select this jury. I can guarantee you that this jury will be an all-white jury. And they will view you as a guilty man as soon as you walk in that courtroom because you are a big black teenager. So what do you want to do? And, um, you know, I sat there just shocked. That How old were you now? I was 17. So you're a 17-year-old yeah, placed with these choices, yeah. needing to make a decision as a 17-year-old. Either risk life in prison or take a little bit of time in prison. Um, 
And I remember asking her, let me, you know, let me speak to my mom. Just give me a chance to speak to my mom and figure this out. She's sitting right there in the courtroom. She said no. She what do she said no? She said no. She said that I was in adult court and I had to make this decision on my own because now I'm an adult. And so she didn't let me speak to my mom because she knew if my mom came in there, we would have went to trial. Is that what you think that would have happened? My mom would ask me what she asked me before when they offered me a deal. Are you guilty? No. Okay, well, then you're going to fight it. And so the wow. few times that I was offered deals and we denied them, I think it frustrated my attorney. Um, she was, um, I, if I remember correctly, on her way to becoming a judge. And so in a way, I, I believe she was trying to kind of get her cases settled so without you, any losses. You are no fan of this attorney's what I'm gathering right no, now. No, So you take this deal. You sit there. What do you do? I mean, I, had, I, I cannot was, imagine <laughs> being a 17-year-old yeah. Brian Banks and having to make this decision. Yeah. What a monument. I mean, you can't even say monumental decision. It's a major decision. It's, uh, it's, it's hardest the hardest decision I've ever made in my life to ever, this day. Ever. And I was given 10 minutes to make this decision. 10 minutes. Yeah. It wasn't one of those situations where you get to go back to your cell and sleep on it or talk to your family members and see what they say when I you know after crying in that that little facility and 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 pleading to her is this the only way and finally taking this deal I walked into that courtroom and my family didn't even know what was about to happen they thought I was coming in to select a jury instead I walked in pleading to no contest to one count of rape and being sent to Chino for 90 days I went to Chino for 90 days and during that 90 day period, I was interviewed by the psychologist and counselor, and they both recommended that I get probation. They felt that I was in jail for something that I didn't do. Okay. So what happened? I go back to court, and the judge sentenced me to the higher term of six years. Why? No explanation. No reasoning. He just, it was like driving into a McDonald's drive through and ordering food and just taking off. It was just, just like that. Did you sit in the courtroom stunned? I mean, what happened? I you mean, know what? The, <laughs> you know when you when you when you when you try so hard for something and you and you you put all your 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 prayers and 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 your just everything that you have into wanting something to happen your way, and it doesn't. There's really no reaction. It was kind of just like a. It was kind of like a like a s small smile and giggle. It was like ah, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. So, and then is this when your relationship with uh, Elizabeth Harris ended? Is that um, it? Not, not you... just yet. Um, so, so she's still your lawyer now. I was, no, not now. But I no, was... no, no, no. At this point, I'm sorry. Yes, at this point, yes, in the at story. this point, she's still my attorney. She... Did you ever think of getting another one? No money. Well, my mom sold her house and car for this lawyer. We, this was it. Okay. So she told me basically that she was going to uh, file a petition for remodification of sentencing. Um, and she sent me this letter as I was in prison and said, in order for me to do this, I need to get you an appellate attorney. I have an appellate attorney in my office. So I need you to sign this form, relieving me as your attorney so that this attorney can take on your case. Because this attorney is, is more expert at appealing appeal. than, right. than, than she. I signed the form and she disappeared. Who disappeared? My the attorney. Everything. It was over. I relieved her. And so who was this new attorney? There was no new attorney. What do you mean there was no new attorney? What does that mean? Nobody. That was it. 
She just disappeared. She said that I have someone else for you. Mm-hmm. You signed this paper, so this other someone else. Right. Did this person have a name? Not that I know of. So now, so now you're in. I'm in prison for 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 a sentence of six years. I had to do a total of five years and two months of a six year sentence. With no other attorney. Mm-mm. Where is Elizabeth Harris now, Brian? She's a judge in L.A., Los Angeles. I'm sort of stunned. I don't even know how to. I don't even know what my next question is right now. <laughs> this is a portion of the story, you know. I didn't. I. I, I honestly did not hear about before. Yeah. Okay, so now let's move on. What What happens now? Now you're seeing the national championship game right. of the school that yeah. you had made a verbal commitment to. Right. How are you with no prospects of getting out here yeah. at this point? With no lawyer, no nothing. Is that is that an accurate portrayal about where you were at this part of the story? Yeah, in the cell, watching all my uh, my my teammates go on to get scholarships to different universities and play on TV, and I watched them on a 13-inch black and white TV. Um, every every weekend, an innocent man. Mm-hmm. How did you cope with that? In the beginning, it was you know a lot of anger. Um, I was very depressed and and um, very hateful person when I first was given the sentence. Um, you know, maybe half a year to a year in to serving you know time in prison. I woke up one day, honestly, and, and it just dawned on me that I'm sitting here and I'm angry at the world and I want this revenge and I want somebody to be held accountable for what happened to me. And I'm realizing that all of this negative energy that I had and all this anger I had for these people, they didn't even know and didn't even care. And so it was at that time that I realized that I was eating myself alive with this negative energy, with the way that I felt. I was doing nothing but destroying myself because it meant nothing to the people that I had that anger for. And from that day on, I decided I no longer would try and control the situation, but I would control myself while being in the situation. I always had control over me. And so I began to study. Um, I got into psychology and sociology. And This is in Chino? Uh, this is now I'm... Now I'm in uh, CMC in San Luis Obispo. It's a level three maximum security prison. What is it like in there? It's a different world. <laughs> it's a completely different world. Um, we, me and you, we wouldn't be talking. Everything is is ran by race and politics and, and so forth. Um, a lot of violence. Um, Did you ever get in? involved in that sort of stuff yeah, you you have no choice after you if you're in prison for five years you will you will experience riots fights you will see death you will uh, experience going to the hole and hunger strikes um you know you name it i've i've experienced it i've been through it all at so. what point let's let's get some light now let's mm. let's head let's head to the mm. <laughs> the light end of the tunnel here <laughs> at what point do you get all of this evidence here mm. that there is an accuser who gave all sorts of stories right. about what happened in a known makeout area mm. of the school, and you had legal advice that, shall we say, was specious, to say the least, mm. and all of this evidence 
the, which, by the way, one thing that we haven't brought up, there was a DNA test, correct? Yes. In which your DNA was excluded right. from being yes. part of this case, she correct? Had, uh, she had accused me of penetrating her, um, ejaculating inside of her. She described the contents as white and slimy. They did the DNA testing. This was a couple hours after she and I had made out, and there was no DNA found. No DNA found. Mm-mm. So your DNA, and this was in the record, mm-hmm. correct? And the lawyer that I had never presented this to the court. How is that possible, Brian? I don't know. So all of this, at what point do you finally get somebody from the outside world mm-hmm. say, hey, wait a minute. Something's not right. Something's not right. At what yeah. point did that happen? After I got out of prison. After so you I, served the five years? I served five years, two months in prison. I served another four years on parole with a electronic uh, tracking device on my ankle. Um, I couldn't live within 2,000 feet of any school or park. I had to register every year as a sex offender. I had a curfew. I couldn't leave the state or the county under any, cir- any circumstance. Um, I couldn't go to places where kids frequented a lot, schools and beaches, parks, places like that. So I was, I lived another four years uh, with no social life, no work, no jobs. No one wanted to hire me. Where'd you live? I lived with my mom, and then I lived with an ex-girlfriend for a while. Um, Four years into parole, of a five-year parole sentence, um, I was online, getting on Facebook. I noticed I had a friend request on Facebook. I click on a friend request, and the girl who had accused me of raping her uh, was friend requesting me on Facebook. Juanetta Gibson, out of the clear blue, nine years after accusing you falsely, mm-hmm. after your five-year and two-month prison sentence, mm-hmm. after four years of having this monitor on your ankle, yeah. out of the blue, just friends you like any old high school person would do with any old high school person that didn't accuse you falsely right. of this horrible crime. Mm-hmm. That really happened. That really happened. You uh, had to, that, that had to be, Chris, get ready. That had to be a holy shit moment. That yeah. had to be holy shit. Yeah. You've got to be kidding me. Is that I, an accurate oh yeah, portrayal? Very much. I slammed the laptop down and, and almost threw it across the room. Like It was one of those type of situations where, I mean, I was like a deer caught in headlights. I just sat there on the bed probably for about 10 minutes just... In, in a fixed position. I didn't know what to think, how to feel, what was going on. Do you think it was somebody that was maybe as her trying yeah. to mess with you yeah. or something That's like that? That's the first thing I thought was it, it couldn't be her. It has to be someone playing some type of joke. You know? So and, what'd you do? Well, I didn't accept a friend request. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't accept the request. Okay. I didn't accept the request. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I remember just getting on my knees and praying. And I asked God that if this was really her and here was an opportunity for me to get some truth about what really happened um, to light that I'm asking that, you know, he helped me play my cards right. As soon as I said amen and stood up, I felt like something came over me where I had this understanding of what I needed to do. And keeping in mind that me coming into contact with her in any way is an automatic violation of my parole and I'd be sent back to prison. But something came over me and told me that I need to reach out. And so instead of accepting the request, I sent a message to this page with her face and name asking, why would your friend request me? And as soon as I sent the message, one came back immediately and said that uh, I was hoping that 
we could allow bygones to be bygones. Oh, my Lord Almighty. That I was immature back then, but I'm very much mature now. So she had remorse? No. So, <laughs> okay. as I got that message, I sent a message back asking, do you mind calling me? Because I still didn't think it was her. As soon as I sent that message back, my phone rang within less than a minute. I said hello, and there she was on the phone. And we sat there in silence for a while, and then eventually she began talking and explaining why she friend requested me. And she said that she was online, on Facebook, going through... Um, you know, different friends from high school came across my page, said that she thought I looked pretty good on my picture, complimenting no the picture. Way asked her sister that she think it'd be a good idea if she friend requests me, and her sister said it's been it's been a while. Everything should be good. You should be able to do it. Did she and uh, did she not read the papers? Did she not know what happened to you? She knew. She knew. She knew because I mean, her, as her being. Uh, quote unquote the victim she's notified when I'm released from prison where I'm living so forth and so forth so she was fully fully aware of, of the situation um, but this is the I mean, <laughs> is the word delusional appropriate for this I mean well, plus the lawsuit I mean they definitely knew they got right. a pretty big lawsuit yeah she uh, okay so so basically she went on to say that she wanted to in a nutshell hang out and hook up no way! What? Yeah. At this point, now, if you, who do you, who do you contact at this point? So I, um, I had contacted no one at that point. What I did was I kind of sat on the, the situation for a while. And By yourself? You didn't? You didn't? I didn't know what to do because I, what I wanted to do was I wanted her to come forward and tell the truth. Of course. But I know I needed to do it in some kind of way that would, would actually, you know, where it could actually happen. And so a couple of days after, I realized that what I needed to do was actually meet with her, but make sure that everything is recorded and monitored um, for one, my safety, just in case I'm violated. For sure. This situation. Number two, if she does come forward, I need proof. But I can't imagine you'd sit on that by yourself. I mean, you've you've essentially lived within your 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 head yeah. for so long without and the outside help you've received other than from your mother. Mm hmm has not re resulted in, in anything positive. Yeah. I, I would imagine the first thing you do is just call your mom, call somebody and say, you'll never believe you just call yeah. me. What do you think I should do? Well, eventually, um, I'll say about two days later, um, and mind you, during those two-day periods, she was constantly texting me crazy, saying, I want to see you. Let's hang out. I'll meet you here. I'll meet you there, wherever. We, wherever I want to see you. And so it began to make me feel as if she was trying to either set me up to go back to prison or there was someone that she would be with that would try to do something to me. Yeah, because this is just, this is beyond belief. This is not it believable, no right? This, right. This, this makes no sense. Do you think, before we get to what you did, yeah. what do you think she was doing? Did she, was it just a, a pure, really, like, conjugal uh, urge that That's she had yeah. that she was acting on with, uh, that without even thinking about how you might react to her coming back in your life? That's exactly what it was. Well, that is, that is, out of, yeah, that is ridiculous. I mean, that is that is out of the realm. I'm speechless. I am. I, I, so I, I don't even know how to even term that. So okay. So what you do is you set this. You set up a sting, yeah, so sort I, of a sting, I reach right? Reach out to my best friend and his dad. I just became a private investigator probably about a week or two before, and I um, 
told his dad that I was going to meet with this girl, but I wanted it to be recorded. And mm-hmm. he said to bring her into his investigation firm. And, you know, you could talk to her there. Everything would be monitored and recorded there. Um, I told her if she wanted to meet me, she can come and meet me at this office that I'm working at. I'll be there during my lunch break. You can come and talk. Good for you. This is just two years ago, right? Now yes. we're just now we're this just two years ago. Yeah. Okay. She showed up. Um, what did you think when you first saw her? Was your heart <laughs> was your heart you know pounding what? in your chest? Or? In the beginning, yeah. But the day leading into it, I I prepared myself for it. I knew that I was going to be seeing her face. I knew that I was going to be in her presence. Um, but I knew, I knew the mission. I knew what I was trying to to get to, and so I had to put everything that I felt to the side, the things that I really wanted to say, you know, the 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 emotions that I really felt. I had to, I had to put them to the side in order to. You got to execute here. You have to execute yeah. this plan. Yeah. Did you guys notify authorities at all that you were going to do this? Because um, you were afraid you might have to go back? Or did yeah. the private eye, did you Yeah, the private that? eye notified um, the local authorities that that this this interview or this meeting was taking place. Got so it. we made sure we covered all grounds. So, yeah, you couldn't get... Yeah. Did she show up alone? Yeah. Showed up by herself. Um, and was just, I mean... Like happy to see me, and it was just it was, this was really awkward. Yeah, I saw the video on the sixty minutes piece yeah. where it was it was really her 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 demeanor was yeah. essentially just let's catch up. Yeah, she didn't care. She didn't care. She came two days in a row. The first day she came, and the two of us talked, um, and I wanted her to understand what I had been through and what I had gone through and the effects of her lies, what it did to me and my family. And instead of her, you know, having any type of remorse or feeling some sense of uh, accountability, she would reply with things that she had to go through because of everything that happened. Well, all these people wanted to be my friend because of the money that I got from the lawsuit. And they made me see all these psychologists and counselors. And it was a waste of time. And so my life has been hard, too. And she got a million and a half dollars, right? Because she sued, she sued the school system because this alleged incident that never took place took place mm-hmm. on uh, on school on grounds. School grounds. She sued the school district for lack of security on campus. Got a million and a half dollars. A million and a half settlement. She split fifty fifty with her civil attorneys. So now she comes back a second day. Why? Why did you? She comes back a second day because I asked her to come back. I um, I asked her if she. You know, she was really adamant about wanting to hang out and and outside of where we were. And I told her, you know, before that, you know, I want you to help me get my life back. I need you to come forward and tell the truth. And so you come out and say that to her. Yeah, I come out and tell her I I need you to help. And she said that she would basically if it resulted in the two of us hooking up and hanging out. Um, and so um, I asked her, would she show up tomorrow and speak to an attorney? And she said, no, I won't speak to an attorney or a police officer or anybody a part of the court system because I don't want to have to give that money back that I got from the lawsuit. And so I asked her, I said, well, would you at least speak to a private investigator who can advise us on what we should do next? And she agreed to that. She showed up the next day, and the investigator interviewed her directly and Asked her the direct questions of, did he rape you? Did he kidnap you? And she admitted to it not happening. Um, and <laughs> with that, I mean, and we had we had the proof on tape. Unbelievable. Did you break down? Uh, no. Um, 
It was more of like um, it, it just because I got it on tape. Like it just it wasn't over. I got it, it wasn't on, over just because yeah. you hadn't you hadn't gotten right. into the hands of the proper authorities. Right. I got it on tape. I walked out of there. And I was still on parole with a GPS on my ankle. Before we just hit the pause button here, I know we've, we've talked quite a bit about it, but this is just fascinating. I really appreciate your yeah, candor no in this, problem. Brian. This is great, how, how open you are about this. Has it ever struck you, just from what you've told me, the feelings that she had for you back in 2003 that got you in this mess, that from what you've explained to me, those same feelings she had for you in some twisted way that she still had for you mm-hmm. is what led her to come contact you and essentially exonerate you right. because you got her to come back for a second day. Mm-hmm. And the reason why she did this is because she wanted to be with you. Has that yeah. struck you at all? No, that's, I mean, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It, she didn't help uh, because she felt bad or because she wanted to help and she didn't come forward um with you know like being apologetic for what she did it was more of uh, let me let me help him so that in in turn it helps me to him well thank the thank goodness she still felt that way yeah right because uh, yeah i don't i don't i don't thank her for coming forward i thank god for bringing her forward because she she didn't do it to help you know so what'd you do with this information? Is this where the California Innocence yeah, yeah. Um, I, Project I, comes into play? I took this video and I reached out to probably over two, 300 attorneys, but I reached out to the California Innocence Project as well. Um, they agreed to meet with me, um, and after about 45 minutes of meeting, um, they're in San Diego, I'm in Los Angeles, we met halfway in Irvine. And after about 45 minutes of us meeting and showing them the tapes, um, they took on my case. Yeah, they had to be in with yeah. everything, with her different stories, the yeah. DNA not being yours. Everything. And then, you know, what's funny is that they never take on cases of people who have already served a sentence. That was the first case that they ever took where the guy had already been out of prison. Normally, somebody's still sitting there rotting away. Mm-hmm. But you're still in... I'm you're still technically still, still you're stuck. You're technically in prison. Yeah. I mean, you have that thing around your ankle. You, you're just. That's exactly what I told him. I said, "I'm every day that I'm living like this. I'm living a life sentence." And so they took on my case. And this was when? Are we in? Um, we're in 2012 here now, is, or the late uh, 2011? This is 2011. It took a year for them to appeal and fight the case. All the while, I was still on parole. Um, a year? That's insane. Yeah. Like, well, and that's the thing is, is even with the video, slow. even with the video, it, 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 you know, the, the judge didn't have to, you know, let that be evidence. He could have denied the evidence. He could have, it could have went any other kind of way. You know, she could have recanted her recantation, which she actually did do, um, and said that, uh, you know, she, she said that she said the things that she said on tape, but she only said it because I bribed her with $10,000. Um, she's a piece of work she this said one. that uh that she wasn't the one on facebook contacting me that her facebook con- uh, facebook page was hacked and the hacker arranged the meetings between the two of us somehow she showed up to him though. <laughs> right good thing you got it on tape huh yeah Man. so um a year later um i was exonerated may 24th 2012 um, now that's an anniversary so that one that year anniversary, anniversary just passed just passed yeah. 13 months ago. Yeah. 
So that, that what was, was that day like for you, Brian? Uh, it was it was big. I actually stayed awake the day before until twelve o'clock until the twenty fourth. I actually came in and I just um, I just took a good amount of time to just reflect. Um, you know, it's it's bittersweet. You know, the day that I got my life back. You know, I was so happy and so overwhelmed and thankful that, it, that the nightmare was finally over. But it's 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 very bitter to think that it took ten years of my life to get to that point. It took all of this for me to finally get my life back. And it's what's funny is that it took me serving the entire sentence, five years, two months, prison, five years on parole. And at the very end of my entire sentence was when I got my life back. In a way, it was as if I was supposed to serve this complete sentence for some type of bigger purpose. Um, what is that bigger purpose? And I think that's that's the whole journey of enlightenment, that whole walking that walking your walk. Um, I still haven't figured it out yet, but I think that's really the uh, the really cool and amazing part about it. So why do you now that we have this full story out for the, our li- for the folks listening? Mm-hmm. Why you don't have any feelings of revenge? You don't want to knock on the judge's door, your former attorney. I'm, I'm, you don't want to see. <laughs> you don't want to. I, I mean, I'm getting my revenge right now. I am, I am with an NFL team. I have my life back, my freedom back. Um, people look up to me, and I hear certain words such as hero and inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this is the best revenge, is to uh, forgive and just to move on with your life. Um for me it's 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 like carrying dead weight for me to continuously hang on to what has happened to me I'll never forget I'll never forget what happened how it felt the experience that I went through in prison on parole I'll never forget how it all took place it'll always be branded and embedded within me but I think it's pointless for me to hang on to any negative ill will towards anybody um, because it does nothing but stagnate me. They will forever have to live. When I say they, I mean anyone who is remotely responsible or had anything to do with me being sentenced to this time, um, they will forever have to live with this in their hearts. And the more I succeed and the more I push to accomplish my dreams, the more they will hear about me, just like I'm here on your show today. Oh, well, having you here has been a, an honor and a pleasure because I've heard about your story, and I'm I'm glad that you're here to tell it. And I'm also pleased, if you're not going to say it, I'll say it too, that one out of Perkins um, has been uh, sought by authorities to have the money returned. That money is long gone, as she said, yeah. but um, the authorities here in the uh, Los Angeles area have... Um, um, pressed her for the money back, and she's been—it's been demanded, and you know now there is authorities after her. Yeah, two point six million. <sighs> wow! But uh, Deputy DA David Ferrer was the one that uh, was the one that released you. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, I really thank him because uh, before you know um, I was released and given my life back, 
he actually agreed to sit and talk with me on a one-on-one basis to explain my 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 plea to plead to him for him to look into my case um he didn't have to do it but just out of out of you know him having a good heart he agreed to meet with me and that's what spiraled and kind of kicked things off to the full out investigation of what really happened his investigation team uh partnered with the California Innocence Project's mm-hmm. investigative team and um things just began rolling at that point and then uh within a couple of weeks your phone rings yeah and it's the coach <laughs> 10 yeah. years later right yeah coach carroll uh i say about uh it wasn't even a couple of weeks i say it was uh maybe three or four days after i was exonerated i got a call from coach carroll i answered the phone i said hello and he's a voice over the phone was like uh yeah i'm wondering where i could find a linebacker oh, fantastic. <laughs> i said uh yeah you got the right number <laughs> <laughs> i said well who is this and he's like um it's me coach carroll and uh you know, it, we just begin to talk and, and kind of reminisce in a sense. And, um, you know, his, he congratulated me and me congratulating him. It's been ten, a 10 year gap between, you know, the time that we had left off. And much has happened in his life, much has happened in mine. And um, so it was good to be on the phone with him again. And, um, you know, at the end, he invited me to come try out for the mini team. camp. Yeah. Mini camp. So, but you really, I'd imagine you weren't ready for it, right? I mean, no, physically, uh, yeah. just it just physically, I, I wasn't ready for it. Um, I was in shape, um, but for the the requirements of uh, making an NFL team, mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't in that shape just yet. Sure, right? I mean, yeah, you just took your ankle yeah, bracelet off for crying out loud. Exactly, and I have you know, don't get me wrong, I've been training and and putting a lot of hours in the gym and on the field, but, you know, I didn't know what was actually going to be required. And, and so, you know, having that tryout and the other six tryouts that I had with different NFL teams gave me a, a better perspective of what I was, you know, what was needed on my on my part to actually make a team. My last tryout was with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and um, at the end of that tryout, I sat with Coach Smith and uh, Jim Dimitrov, and they both said that they were really impressed with what they saw. Um, that uh, I looked, you know, just as good and better than some of the guys that they had in camp that, you know, during the season, right before the season started. Uh, the fact that they were only about two weeks away from the season starting, they just didn't have time to get me acclimated to the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, nor did they want to take on the overwhelming media that would come with signing me at the beginning of the season. And so they passed on it but said that they wanted to revisit it put a pin in it as they would say in the mm-hmm. national football league yeah so then you did stuff at the ufl at so that i went point? to the ufl after all the trials exhausted and no other calls came in um was excited about that i was definitely going to use that as a vessel to get me you know more prepared for an nfl shot uh four <laughs> four games into that season the league folded <laughs> your timing brian banks <laughs> The rise and fall. The <laughs> rise and fall. <laughs> Prior to your exoneration, had you tried or thought about playing football at all since you were out of prison or with your still being on yeah. the roll, it was not a possibility? Well, yeah, I, I, let, I let the idea of, of playing football go for years while I was incarcerated. Uh, when I got out, I actually started thinking about it again, not to progress in it per se, but more of to try and get a free education out of playing football. And so I went to, I actually went to Long Beach City College and played a few games there um, right after. I got, I got out on a Wednesday, August 29, 2007. That Friday I had a football game. And um, I played a few games there, 
And after those few games, California implemented a new law that required uh, sex offenders on parole to wear a GPS in their ankle. They put that on my ankle, and I couldn't play ball anymore. Um, I dropped out of school. There was, <laughs> I couldn't. You know, I went from thinking forward to thinking backwards. Mm, man, oh man. Know? So I let football go again, and it wasn't until California Innocence Project took on my case that I started thinking, man, you know, I, I'm gonna give this football thing a shot one more time. But I'm, I'm gonna really shoot for the stars here and and and, and go for the NFL. Well, here you are now. Yeah. Late June 2013. 27 years old. 27 years old. 28 July 24th. That's right. Happy birthday in advance Thank to you. you, sir. And that is the day that uh, camp starts, July 24th. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Circle. So here you are. I mean, you're... You're you're in the launching pad, right? Is that a, I guess it's a way to put it. Yes, sir. You are... You're buckled in. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity is there. You, I mean, just... I can only imagine, as you had just told Chris, that you stopped thinking about the opportunity, and the, the first minute you got out, you started thinking about it again, and mm-hmm. it's so part of who you are, right, yeah. that you've been thinking about, do I get an opportunity? You've got that. The opportunity is there, mm-hmm. and you've earned it, okay? Yeah. It wasn't handed to you. You earned it. Yes, sir. What are you thinking about right now? Can you even stay in your own skin? I mean, are you are you calm about it? Yeah. Which which one is it? Um, I am very like honed in. Um, I am fully consumed in, in in the opportunity before me. I don't fear anything except for failure. And I football is a passion of mine, but I don't consider myself an athlete. I consider myself a dream chaser. This was a dream that was once taken away from me. And when I began to think about it again, it wasn't the idea of wanting to play football. It was the idea of taking back a dream that was once taken away. And then it was taken away again. And so here I am again with the opportunity of of securing this dream that I once had as a young boy. And I'm, I'm... grabbing you know both reins and I'm, I'm taking this thing head on um to be successful at something that i said i can succeed in um so i'm not i wouldn't say i'm jumping out of my skin i wouldn't say that i'm i'm biting off more than i can chew i'm nervous or anything it's more of let's get the job done by any means necessary and where are you with the playbook? You feeling comfortable? Where Where are you yeah, right now? Yeah, no, I'm everything? feeling really comfortable. I mean, of course, there's times where, you know, they throw me in there. I get out there and um, let me put it to you like this. Okay. We're, we're in the film room. You know, I'm I'm watching film and we're calling plays and I'm seeing things happen. And I'm able to, um, you know, talk about what's happening. And it's it's a difference between being in a film room and then going out on the field and doing the same thing on the fly. It's not a problem. It's something that I just need to perfect. And that's where I am right now. It's not the physical side of, of, of the sport. Physically I'm I'm in great shape and I'm where I need to be physically. Okay. It's more of being able to command an NFL defense and do it with confidence. So it's neck up? Yes, sir. And it's it's not something that's uh, in, within far reach. It's very close. I'm, 
I'm very I'm very close with the playbook. Um, the understanding is there. The knowledge is there. It's just perfecting it. It's just getting it down to a science to where it's just second nature. And I think that's anybody anybody's um, biggest challenge uh, with any uh, playbook. I don't think anybody can come into an organization and figure the, the playbook out in a month. It's <laughs> so they've also had <laughs> 10 years of their life, their playing lives right. removed. Right. Brian, I mean, you know, but just from where I'm sitting, just hearing your story in person and seeing it from your, you know, and mm. just straight from the horse's mouth, uh, if you're saying it's a neck up situation, I cannot imagine somebody that's been through what you've been through and how you've come through it, setting up a sting when <laughs> your accuser, your false accuser just comes out of the blue yeah. and you executing that and executing everything that you have done since then, this should be cake. I feel the same way. After everything that I've been through, um, this is, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't compare to what I've endured or experienced in life. Um, but it is something that I, I so desperately want um, that I just want to make sure, you know, I'm like a stickler. You, you know, you'll always be your toughest critic. You want to be great at what you do. Mm-hmm. I want to be great at this. I don't want to just be good enough. I don't, I don't want to be good enough. I don't. I don't care that I missed ten years. I don't care that I was in prison or that I lost so much of my life or that none of that matters today. Today, I said that this is what I'm going to do, and so that's what's that's the priority. That's the focus. And it's not. I mean, and 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 it's not just any opportunity here. Also, you know, I mean, any NFL team. It's a great. It's a blessing. Whatever. And I, and I say this, somebody who covers all thirty-two teams. We're talking the Atlanta Falcons, who darn near made the Super Bowl last yeah, year. Man. You walk in. That's Tony Gonzalez over there. Yeah. There's Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Julio Jones. Roddy White. Thomas Deku. This is. I mean, this. <laughs> you could be getting on. You know, I mentioned a rocket ship. You you may be getting on board quite a ship right Steven here. Stephen Jackson. Stephen Jackson. Jackson. Right. right. You forget all this we stuff sometimes when you talk about. Are you squaring up against teams. him? In we got OC. Oh my God, dude, he's big as me. <laughs> he's a monster. I feel I feel bad for OC. for the opponent for the opponents. Man, Steve is going to be. Well, he's going to be trouble. That's right. Do you still talk at all to any of the Cal Poly guys that are in the league? Like Deshaun or um, yeah, Mercedes Deshaun Lewis? Jackson, Mercedes Lewis, uh, Winston Justice occasionally. But, yeah, no, every now and then I, you know, I run into Winston. Definitely see Deshaun a lot. Uh, Mercedes, uh, he and I train together over at uh, um, with uh, Jay Glazer in uh, oh, yeah. Athletic oh, Games. Oh, Glaze. Yeah. Oh, you're in the hands oh, of Glaze. Yeah. Man, that's my big bro. Uh, without Glaze, a lot of this stuff, uh, you know, wouldn't even be happening, man. He's been instrumental to just my training, uh, my being an advisor, um, as well as, 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 you know, reaching out to organizations and just kind of putting a bug in their ear about, about me. Um, he's just been a good guy, man. And, um, I appreciate Jay like so much. He took me in, said, I'd never take a dime from you. I'd never, I don't want anything from you. You've been through enough. Uh, you want to play football, I'll get you to where you need to be. Glaze is one of the best, man. I mean, he gets a lot of grief from people in our business because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he's an information guy, mm-hmm. journalism. Let's just put it this way. Many many journalism professors, upon hearing this story, would 
they blanched, let's put it that way. But he's a person. He's a human being, and he's got a huge heart. Huge Jay heart. Glazer has a huge heart. Huge. And I'd put that heart up against that. I, I'm a fan of his. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Glazer's. I, I'm glad to hear that, that yeah. he did that. And, and I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, he, he's... I don't know. I don't want to say anymore. He's 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 one of the best. I I'm love Glaze. I'm with you. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, at Brian Banks Free is one of the many ways you can follow uh, the journey of Brian Banks moving forward on Twitter. Uh, www.brianbanks.org. Yes, sir. Uh, you got a documentary coming out, yeah, right? Documentary in the works. Uh, Michelle Farinola. She uh, produced um, uh, Undefeated. A documentary that won the Oscar. Yes, we had Coach on. We had the coach. One of our favorite. Yeah, yeah. two years ago we had the Coach on. Tigers. Yeah, Um, James Mull, who's another huge director. Uh, Steven Spielberg's protege. I've heard of him, by the way. I've heard of Spielberg. Yeah, Yeah. no, and that's a serious (laughs) accolade too. (laughs) So yeah, we're uh, they've been following me around for a long time now. We have a a huge documentary in the works. Fantastic, and Um, then and then an actual feature film as well been negotiating uh, a deal uh, for a feature Who film plays too. Brian Banks in this? Who plays Brian Banks? Yes. I don't know. Because I think Denzel, which is <laughs> normally, Denzel is definitely the default, right? But, yeah. I mean, with all due respect to Denzel, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you're a 27-year-old it man. You have to be some young, fresh guy who's just going to break the scene. Okay. Yeah. Just like yourself. Yes, sir. It makes sense. And then, of course, CaliforniaInnocenceProject.org. You should definitely uh, support yeah. that group. Brian, it has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we've got Falcons and uh, Saints on Thursday Night Football deep into the season. Mm-hmm. I look forward to seeing you out there on that field. Thank you. Good Appreciate luck to you. Good luck Appreciate to you. Man. you. Thank you, sir. You bet. That is Brian Banks here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Well, that was something else. Man, I don't even know what to say. You can't make that stuff up. I know I said that before, but I mean this is this is the true. You can't make this stuff up. It, it, what a horrible story of a young guy. I don't even know getting caught in the wrong place or doing the wrong thing. Even I mean, though he, he didn't do. He I mean, it's just a sixteen and a fifteen year old right, hooking up. Exactly. And High school kids. It happens all over country I'm and sure. then he's without means and then whatever means the mother got rid of the house in the car or hocked it to get a lawyer who i'm sure you know she would have a different take on it than he would but it sounds like a nightmare like the one person that you put your eggs all in their financial eggs and all hopes eggs in the basket totally dropped the ball i mean it's incredible the dna evidence part is what got me how that wasn't Shown to the judge or anything that's just well, I mean, it, it was it had to have been included. No, it was included, um, it was definitely included in the, the some of the notes I read. Well, I mean, it was included years later. They never went to trial, that's why he could have gone to trial, but he's facing 41 years to life. And, or he, she's and he saying, said he had a 10 minute window she's without his mother. 90, she's like, You're gonna do 90 days and get parole. But the why? Worst case. I don't understand why they wouldn't let him speak to his mother or someone to advise him. Well, he, from what you could read between the lines, and again, you know, right? You know, the, the journalistic um, DNA within me, to use that phrase, is that Elizabeth Harris's lawyer. If we got her on the phone right now, which you know we don't, I don't even know where we would find her. 
Well, the, she's not doing any interviews. You know, uh, especially if she is a judge. Do you have that? Did you Google that? Uh, I, I Googled her. <laughs> um, she was elected a uh, L.A. Superior Court commissioner in 2004, so I would assume that she's still in the area. You know, uh, again, I'm sure she would have a completely different take on this and not say that, yeah, you know what, I, there wasn't an appellate attorney in my uh in my employee ever i mean he, i mean it, that's i can't i'll be really curious in the documentary that they're producing sure. if they get elizabeth harris well i mean in the interview. people that they have gotten to do this documentary they, right. they will leave no stone unturned. i would i would certainly really hope that she's interviewed for but it's those. horrible that that, yeah. that that he says that she wouldn't let him see the mother because in his mind from what he thinks she had greater career moves going on and the last thing oh. that she wanted to do if there were continuances on her part because she was unavailable when he when there's a 17 year old rotting in in jail but in i mean with how a, it is with a million dollar bail over his head that that if she is if she is so derelict of the duty that she just wants to just get this thing in the out bin and i'll deal with it 90 days from now as opposed to having to go to trial and really fight this thing, I mean, you, you then all, he got the wrong attorney. And you asked the question: Why does a sixteen-year-old have a million-dollar bond put on him? I mean, it all does sound ridiculous, but if you've ever dealt with bureaucracy and you know how, you know, he's a number to her. Hey, the bottom line point, is, it happened. Sure, this is not, and he was innocent all along. Clearly, this happened. This is not like some sort of fairy tale. Right. There, there is a paper and that's trail. Nine plus years of his life, unbelievable. And boy, do we have somebody new to root for? Oh yeah, one hundred percent in the National Football League. Like, just I am not going to on wood that all goes well in camp and he gets his chance, and that it is just a neck up situation for him. That he is at twenty seven years of age in great, it, and that you you were like, if it is only a neck up. If there's anybody right. that has the wherewithal. Yeah, it's him. Because, you know, how many times are you story that, that, that you got to be in football shape? You hear this from guys who were out of the game for a long time. Yeah. And he says he's in great shape. If he's got glaze, he's got the right guy there, right? Right. In terms of getting getting ready. So many players do that MMA training now. And so, boy, I mean, just how great would it be week one, Atlanta Falcons, and who's out there, probably on special teams, right? And yeah. getting ready and yep. getting part of the special teams and being out there for the opening kickoff, feeling that adrenaline, and going about his business and hope he's – I just hope he stays healthy. I it at, would just be the greatest thing that if he just gets a career in the National Football League that he deserves uh, a shot at and then he gets it and he wins at it. That would be great. Absolutely. I looked at their, their roster because I was trying to think of their linebacking core, and he's one of four rookie linebackers on the roster as of now, and there's a total of seven second-year linebackers. There's only one guy with four and one guy with six years' experience. So he's got he's got a shot, I mean. We got somebody to root for. Definitely. Brian Banks. Again, uh, at Brian Banks Free <laughs> is the way to do it. Uh, we're heading down to San Diego. Yes, sir. We're going to try and get some people for the podcast it's going to be a little catch as catch it's going to be catch as catch can but if if you're going down and they're they're relinquishing the chris law resources <laughs> for a day or two day and a half yeah. day and a half then we got to come back with a pelt we'll come back with some stuff okay for sure
Some friends in the podcast are down there. Some former. There are. There are. Warren Moon's going to be down there, I believe. Um, and um, His interview was great, by the way. Thank like, you. His knowledge of the games, like, he's, he's obviously still involved, but he knew everything. Like, every quarterback you asked him about. Warren in uh, the Harry Carson interview and then uh, Jim uh, Ponawazic of time. Yeah. That was a fun chat about uh, Gandolfini last week. That was great. So you should seek that. Seek that one out. And a great um, phone call from Nashville. Yeah, yeah, and you're back. You're back here in the flesh. <laughs> um, you know who also is going to be down there at the AEA is um, Trisha Helfer. Not, not you guys are not Battlestar Galactic of no, yours. No, I'm not. No. no. But I'm googling as we speak. But everyone Go said ahead, that Google. was a great. Everyone said that was a fantastic show. Incredible. Fantastic. Is it like Star Trek or something? Or you must. See it. I mean, oh it, look. It's if I'm going to add it, it's, where, add it's it. at the bottom. I still have other things that I need to What's watch. What's above it? What's above it? I'm finishing Deadwood currently. I'm okay. midway through season Good two. For you. Keep going. Uh, I'm going to watch Breaking Bad before the new season starts this summer, and then I still have The Wire. To all watch. of Breaking Bad? Uh, I've seen season one. Oh man, you've so, got some so I have. I have some serious. Yeah, yeah, I have I, t- I, I, let's let's just put it this way. You know how when you you have to order your season passes, right? And I, then I'd I rank them. Correct. I approve your rankings. Okay, thank you. I approve your rankings. But Battlestar Galactica should be there. Trisha Helfer, have you Googled her? I have Googled her. Yes. Now no you, ref flag either. Now you understand why yes. I'm saying we need to get her on the podcast. Oh, I understand. I'll be on the lookout for her. She's quite the Cylon. <laughs> yeah. Quite I don't know what that means. The yeah, Cylon. I, I, I unfortunately do not. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, do you got an international I do. Shout-out? I do have an interna- international uh, shout-out. Uh, Miguel Legareta at Orion MLP 1307 asks, can I get an international shout-out? I'm a Colts fan from Mexico City, listening listening to the REP while dealing with traffic. And he sent me a picture. He's uh, trapped behind two school buses. It looks like he's driving. (laughs) So it's actual traffic. It's not the film traffic. Not the film traffic. From Mexico City. As you know, that traffic... Of course. Was, this is, took place this is in Mexico City. Actual uh, traffic part, in Mexico City. Thanks, part Miguel. Of the, Appreciate uh, you. The habituation uh, film. By the yes. way, which, by the way, I saw again the other day, Traffic. Oh, it's been on, it's been on the cable it has uh, been. movie channels. Oh, my Lord. What an incredible opus that I is. i got to watch that again. It's been a while. And it, it, Did that win Best Picture? It did not. You but, know why it did not? Yeah, guess, guess what? Else, guess what won Best Picture instead? What year is this? 2001? Go ahead and look it up. I don't want to look it up. I know this. Go ahead and, I'm, I'm go a, ahead and look I'm, it up. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to look it up. Uh, glad, no, not glad. Gladiator was 2000. 2001. What was it? Was it was the year 2000. It was 2000. It was the year 2000. Why did it lose, people? Why did it lose? It won Best Supporting Actor, Best For Director. Benicio Del, Del Toro. Best Film Editing and Best Adapted Screenplay. And w- w- in which... Uh, this was the 2001 Academy Awards. The 2001 Academy Best Awards. Best Picture was Gladiator that year. Was it really? It was. Yes. Along, oh. along with Chocolat, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Aaron Brockovich. Really? Because that's what I thought, that that's why he lost, is because of Aaron Brockovich. I no, think, uh, Gladiator won Best Picture. Gladiator, yeah, Gladiator won Best And Russell Crowe was Best Actor. Can you believe that? That he. That, by the way, think about that. Think about that. That he. The habituation. Our friend of the program, Steven Soderbergh. Absolutely. Traffic and Aaron Brockovich in the same year. Oh, yeah. And they probably canceled each other out. Julia Roberts won Best Julia Actress. Julia Roberts won Best yeah. Actress. Benicio Del Toro won Best Supporting Actor. Yep. yep. Um and 
and best director was Soderbergh for Traffic, beating, among others, himself. Himself and Ridley Scott for Aaron Brockovich, and Ridley Scott won. Uh, was part of the best picture, even best, though he lost. It. Yeah. Best original screenplay that year, two thousand one. Anybody? Two thousand one adaptation. We're talking two thousand, right? No, this is the two thousand one Oscars. The two thousand was traffic. Almost famous. Well, almost famous one. Original for, screenplay. Right, original. Adapted screenplay was traffic. Beating out, you know, Aaron Brockovich and uh, right and uh, traffic. Uh, Stephen Gagan won. Um, even though you know, I mean. Soderbergh had his his fingerprints all over all of that. Course. Think about that. Traffic and Aaron Brockovich. The same same year. year. I don't like the whole tenth picture thing they've gone to. It... Nowadays? Yeah. Careful. Careful. Yeah, we friends, want... fre- that's right. We are we give the, Let's not criticize. Let's not bite hands that give give credentials. It's true. Speaking <laughs> of that, I meant to thank you for this and um, a little bit of a bucket list while I was in New York City. Uh, we had John Heinon a few weeks ago from the St- Howard Stern Show. Oh, yes. did you go? And I got to go up to the wrap-up show Oh, uh, nice! and check out John and Gary and all those guys do their thing. So it was, it was pretty awesome. Baba John Bowie. Great. So thank you to John Hine and thanks, Rich, for helping set that That's up, too. That's all good, dude. Some fun stuff. Okay, so next week, the fruits of our San Diego labor. Yes. And if not, there's no podcast because I'm tapping out. Well, there's a... Oh, you want to do it? You guys can do it? I'm going to be on vacation too, but I'm sticking around Los Angeles so I can go. Oh, it's a staycation. It's a staycation, everybody. I need one of those. That's what I'm doing for the fourth too, actually. I'll gladly come in. Because I'm back in New York mid-July. Of course you are. For what? (laughs) Is it another wedding? No, no, no. Another site survey? This is work-related. I have a wedding at the end of July. But it's just midweek, and it's only two days. So I'm there and Whatever, back. dude. Whatever. So. I can't even keep up. Anymore. Site surveys. i got to go on one of these one time. The site surveys. <laughs> I'll they're put the, it on your outlook. They're the bane of a lot of people's <laughs> existence here, uh, by yeah, the way. I, I believe it. Okay. This was great. Uh, Chris Law, thank you for arranging the Brian Banks interview. Absolutely. I know you've been working on that for a long time. Long time. Yeah, one of my my good friend's fiancés works for the California uh, Innocence Project, so I've kind of known about. They do it for angels' a while work, man. Following it, so angels' work, definitely there. Um, so thank you, absolutely. Well at, done, at Chris Law, and uh, at Chris Brockman. I am at Rich Eisen for at the Eisen Podcast. Signing off. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism, thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, friends.